Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Today's guest is Allison Braggerly, a blogger, podcast host, and founder of Inspired Budget. As a teacher and small business owner, Allison combined her passion for teaching and finances to help others learn how to start budgeting. Allison and her husband paid off over $111,000 of debt on two teacher salaries while growing their family. Since starting Inspired Budget in 2017, Allison has been able to retire as a teacher and take a desire to help others full-time. Now she is helping women all over the world get started with budgeting when they feel lost and overwhelmed. In this episode, we talk about how compromise was the key to getting Allison and her husband aligned to pay off their debt. You're going to get so much out of Allison's story. We know you're going to enjoy this episode. Thank you for tuning in and don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Also, get our free cheat sheet to get on the same page about money with your partner. Link is in the show notes. Thanks for tuning in. So Allison, we are just super excited to have you on the Rich by Intention podcast. You have such an amazing story along with your husband. So we're just excited for our listeners to really just hear about how you paid off all of this debt. So for those who may not know you, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Well, first, let me tell you, I'm so excited to be here. I had you guys on my podcast and it was so great. We hit it off. So I'm honored to be on yours. So a little bit about me. My name is Allison Baggerly. I'm the founder of Inspire Budget and I was a teacher. I married a teacher and my husband and I got pregnant on our honeymoon unexpectedly. And we sat down soon after figuring out we were pregnant and realized that we wouldn't be able to afford daycare payments in part due to our spending habits but mostly in part due to the fact that we had over $111,000 worth of student loans and car loans that were coming out to over $1,400 a month in minimum payments. And it was in that moment that we knew something needed to change. And that change looked like figuring out how to manage our money better and how to actually pay off the debt. So we ended up really learning how to budget, pay off debt, save money. And we were able to pay off all that debt in four and a half years on two teacher salaries while growing our family. So we had our first son and then we ended up having our second son, which means we had two kids in daycare. And I'm sure y'all know that can be very expensive. Wow. So that is amazing that you guys paid off all of this debt in four and a half years on two teacher salaries. That's amazing. Well, how much debt did you actually pay off? Okay. It was 100. I have a, I have my debt-free thermometer hanging up still the same one I used way back then. It was $111,108 and 29 cents. Wow. That is amazing. So, so you went on your honeymoon, you are enjoying yourself on your, on your honeymoon. And then, you know, you guys come back and like, what was that like? Like, so you, you just got married and then you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh shoot, I'm pregnant. What do we, we have to get our finances in order. What was that like? It was awful. It was terrible in the sense that I had this plan for my life and I had this vision for what I wanted my life to look like. And none of my life, the vision I had set for the next five years included a child or any type of responsibilities that would keep me in the way of living my best life. That was my goal. My goal was to live my best life, travel. My husband and I actually purchased like a timeshare trial on our honeymoon. So we spent $4,000 on this timeshare trial and did not use it once because once we found out we were pregnant, we were like, okay, something has to change. But it was really hard because it was very much a rock bottom moment for us. 
it was me coming to terms specifically, I can speak for myself, with past spending issues and emotional spending from past money trauma and just creating harmful money habits that I was just leaning on for happiness for years on end. It came to the fact of realizing like, really overcoming the limited beliefs that we're teachers and we'll never make enough money and we'll always be in debt. I had this mindset of we will just always struggle. And so overcoming that, being faced with all of it at once while pregnant at the age of 24, when I had, you know, I felt so young at the time and I, and I was, I was young at the time and not mature wise, not ready for that next step. It was a lot to take in. And in that moment, I'll never forget. We were sitting at this old hand-me-down kitchen table with mismatched Ikea chairs and this crappy little apartment. And I remember thinking, this isn't what I wanted for myself. This isn't what I want for my husband. This isn't what I want for this child that caught us off guard. This isn't what I want. Like I, I don't resign to this life that I'm telling myself I'm going to have. And so it was in that moment I had to make a choice or I had a choice to make on which path would I take? Would I say that everything I've taught myself and I've said about money and the way I've interacted with money, am I going to follow that and end up just living paycheck to paycheck and constantly feeling like I never have enough? Or am I going to do something different to feel a different way? And I don't even know what to do, but I'm going to try it. So I had that choice to make. You know, I think that's so relatable. You have this idea in your head or this vision mm-hmm. of what you think your life is going to look like, especially when you're young in love, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, this, this is going to happen by year one, then year three, then mm-hmm. year five, like you have that five-year plan in your head. And it's like, oh my God, when life really happens, mm-hmm. right. You know, it just hits you. And so you guys yeah. had to really like make, like you said, a choice for yourself. And so It sounds like you were having this internal conflict, this internal conversation in your head about the path that you needed to go down. How did you bring your husband along in that? Like, what was the conversations like with him to bring him to where you were? Mm -hmm. That's a great question because he was actually having his own internal struggles and internal conversations at the same time. Looking back, we weren't great at communicating about it because we had just you know, been married for a couple of weeks. We had only dated for a year before we got married. So we were still learning how to communicate going through that process. But his internal conversation was, I'm not providing. I'm not providing for my wife. I'm not giving her the life that she wants. I'm not able to provide for this child. You know, what is it that I'm doing? I'm failing already just weeks in being a husband and for this child. And so I think that his internal dialogue coupled with my internal dialogue could have led us to just continue life the way we were and assume that we were just always going to fail or always going to struggle and that that was our plan. Or we could take the next step together and do something different, something we didn't know how to do. And so that's what we were able to do. So in a way, we both wanted it, but we both wanted it for different reasons. He wanted it because he felt like, I I think he felt like he wasn't providing and being the man he wanted to be for our family. And I wanted it more out of fear and the desire to have peace of mind and security that I didn't have. So we wanted it for different reasons, but those two reasons put together created us to be on the same page and willing to work along alongside each other. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to your husband's point of view 
Because I remember when we found out we were pregnant, the first thing in my head was like, oh, I have to provide, I have to protect. And, you know, it's that, that I don't know, that feeling is just like, okay, what can I do to make sure my family is okay? And it becomes consuming, you know, especially if you, you know, your income may be low or, you know, you feel like there's going to be so many expenses and you're like, hey, I got to increase my income as soon as possible. Yeah. And I think that's, it's very anxiety producing, right? Like, you know, just being left in your head like that, like just trying to figure out, okay, I'm about to have this baby. I got to figure out a plan. And I think it's what, what I love so much about seeing married couples working together is that you don't have to do it alone. You know, like you have this other person who's there with you, who's going through the same internal dialogue like you, and you're able to, you know, what you said, communicate about it. And then through that communication, you guys were able to finally get on the same page and figure out a plan for yourself. And so what was that first step? So you guys had the internal dialogue, like what was that first very first step you took to start making changes in your financial life? Gosh, you know, that first step was just deciding that we wanted something different and asking ourselves, what does that look like? What does it look like to have something different? And what was staring us in the face at that moment, what was making us so emotionally angry at that moment was our debt. It wasn't our income. It wasn't our jobs. It wasn't It wasn't even my spending issues, which should have probably been staring me in the face, but that comes later, right? (laughs) It was our debt because those minimum payments were so massive. And so that was our next step was totaling it up and seeing, okay, what is it that we need to do? For us strategically, we needed to save up more money because we knew that having babies would be expensive, right? We knew that our we're on teacher insurance. It's not great insurance, even though it should be, it's not. So we knew we would be faced with hospital bills. We knew we would have increased money going to doctors and things like that. So our first step, although we wanted to start paying off debt right away, we stepped back and said, okay, what is the first responsible step? The first responsible step is getting that just more money and savings. I think we had like $400 in savings at the time and that's it. So we wanted to get our savings to, I think it was like 3000 or $4,000. We took time. We took about five months to get us there first. Then once we got there, we said, okay, what's the next thing? The next thing is tackling some of these loans. That way we can free up cash flow every month to be able to afford daycare. So once we could pay off loans, we could free up cash flow because we knew that in months time, we would have to be shilling out, you know, $850 a month towards daycare. So how can we get that cash flow freed up now? So that way it's not a burden then. So how did you actually save up? It sounds like you saved an emergency fund, (laughs) you know, just like a cushion set aside for yourself. So how did you actually save that in five months? I mean, we had to learn how to budget, which at the time was like nails on a chalkboard to me. I remember thinking, okay, we're going to budget and it's going to be miserable and I'm not going to like it, but I'm going to do it because I'm an adult and I can do hard things. And once I'm debt free, I'm never going to do it again. No one can tell me what to do. I'm going to do it now just as like this temporary thing. And then I will never, never budget again. Don't even say the word budget to me. Right. That was my thought. That was, that was the, that was the version of me at the time. Um, because it's funny me, because little do you know, like, I know, right? Joke was on me. 
joke was on me because I love budgeting now. But what I what I saw budgeting as then, which I think so many people do, is I saw it as a restriction. I saw it as an enemy. I saw it as this thing that kept me from doing what I wanted to do. And what I know now about budgeting and what took me time to realize is that really budgeting gave me confidence. It gave me permission to spend on what I want and cut back on what I don't. It gave me peace of mind. It gave me security that I, I had never known existed before. And when I felt this security for the first time with money, it was, it was mind blowing. It was wonderful. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, this is how it can be. And so budgeting really allowed us to find room in our money to be able to send more money to debt. So, or sorry, to savings at first. So maybe send $500 to savings to be able to increase that. And it all came down to being willing to budget and track our spending. So we knew exactly where our money was going. And it took a couple months to get used to the budget. But after a while, when we knew ourselves and our money habits better, it became a lot easier. So, you know, you said something early in our conversation about you being a spender. Oh, and I so love spending I money. <laughs> I love well, you it. Know, sometimes like those can be antonyms, right? Like budgeting and being oh, yeah. a spender, like they're like total opposites, right? So like, mm-hmm. what was that like for you being, having a spending habit, but also being open to budgeting? Like, right. tell our audience about that? Well, I wasn't open to budgeting. I wasn't. I was, I was only budgeting because there was a desperate, desperate need. And that was my son. He was my catalyst for change. I myself was not enough at the time. And isn't that sad? Because I think we're all worthy of change. Like just who you are, you are a reason enough to manage your money better. But at the time he was my catalyst. And so I didn't like budgeting at first, but over time I realized that I could actually include spending money in my budget. And so I did. I had a little spending allowance. I had a different amount than my husband because he's not a spender. He doesn't he doesn't want to spend money. It doesn't bring him joy like it brings me joy. And so I had to have this spending allowance. And when I had an allowance, when I had this set amount, this boundary with my money, it allowed me to learn patience. It allowed me to recognize my impulse spending and highlight where that impulse spending is coming from. And many times it was coming from me running away from uncomfortable emotions, even boredom, right? Trying to replace my uncomfortable emotions with happiness by spending money. So it allowed me to start finding these patterns in myself and then ask myself, do I like these patterns? Because if I don't, I have, I can change them and I can keep the ones I do like. So for as a spender and someone who was budgeting, there was a pushback for me naturally, but then I started seeing the benefits of budgeting and how I could still spend money in a way that made me happy, but in a way that was respectful of myself and my future and my children and not spending based off of emotions and pain or celebrating something just to just because, right? Yeah, I absolutely agree to those points. I actually want, I'm a little curious in terms of the conversations when creating the budget with your husband, uh, you know, cause when you, when you do a budget by yourself, like you put whatever, put the numbers that you want, but when you have another person, it's, it's very different. Can you take us through that experience and how you actually got it to a point where you agreed? 
Oh, it was rough at first, especially coming from two totally opposite people. I had visions for our restaurant, you know, allocation, our restaurant amount and my spending amount. I remember I was like $200 for me. He was like, what? I'm not spending any money on me. How about $10 for you? And I was like, what? So there was this pushback and I'll never forget. There was a moment when I was just like, okay, okay, no, I won't get any spending money. And about three months in, I found myself in the aisles of Target, pregnant, drinking a decaf Starbucks latte, walking up and down the aisles of Target with my big red basket saying, screw the budget screw you, Matt. No one can tell me what I'm going to do with my money. I'm going to buy what I want. And I remember buying what I wanted. And I came home and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'm not taking any of it back. And (laughs) I like to say it was the pregnancy hormones that made this all happen. But really what it was, was it was learning. It was a learning curve. It was a lesson in how to manage money with someone else. When you have two people that want two different things and it was about learning how to compromise. And so he learned in that lesson, what I like to think is that he learned in that lesson that, Hey, Allison needs more spending money than me. She needs more leeway. She's like, if, if we don't do, if something doesn't change, this is what's going to happen every three months. And he, he didn't want that. And what I learned in that lesson is that I can shop at target and like no other. kidding. I learned that if I don't have some sort of allocation or some sort of control, then I will get out of control. And so what can I put in place to help me stay in control so that I can work alongside my husband and reach our goals? So it's about creating boundaries and creating space for me to feel like I had control while still making sure that we met our money goals for the month. Yeah, no, you said such an important word and that was compromise. Oh my gosh, you know, compromise. And as, as we all know in marriage, <laughs> marriage is a lot about compromising. And yes. even when it comes to the budget, you know, like just finding where can you guys have middle ground? And so I mm-hmm. love that you guys, your husband's not a spender, you're a spender. Yeah. We were able to, he was able to meet you in the middle. Yeah. You know? And I think that's such an important message for married couples. And it's like, sometimes you're not going to see eye to eye with your spouse. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, where can we meet in the middle? Right. Where can we find that common ground where I feel that I'm not being deprived and you also feel that, you know, you're getting what you want out of Mm -hmm. our budget or whatever our financial goals might be. So I think compromise is key. Yes. I think compromise is key, even when you're thinking outside of spending money, but things that affect your spending money. So for instance, I'm the cook in our home. I say cook in quotes because I don't enjoy cooking, but it's more of, I'm the, I'm the one that's just a little more present. You know, my husband, he goes to work from five 30 in the morning to five 30 in the evening. So it makes sense for me to be to be the one that cooks. However, I don't enjoy the process of making dinner. So what I ask is for compromise from him saying, Hey, is there one night a week you can, you can come home early and you make dinner and take this off of my plate because I don't enjoy it. Because otherwise I have a feeling that while you're working, I'm just going to swing by Chick-fil-A and say, forget this kitchen stuff. I'm just going to grab Chick-fil-A for the family and spend 40 bucks. So I think that the compromise can look different, but still affect your finances in a positive way. Yeah, no, that's so true. That's so true. Like in all areas, right? Like finding the compromise is key. So, okay. So you guys were able to work together to save up your emergency fund. After you saved up your emergency fund, you were ready to start paying down debt. So what were some of the methods you used to to start digging at your $111,000 of debt? 
So our first method that we used actually was the debt snowball. And the reason was because we needed cash flow. We needed to pay off those lowest balances. So that way those minimum payments could be allocated towards daycare. So it made sense for us to do that. We also didn't have any credit card debt. So we didn't have any super high interest debt. So it started with just paying off paying off our lowest debt. And I think our lowest debt I had was a student loan with, I'll never forget. It was with some credit union my mom found that was offering like a really low interest rate on a student loan. And I had to physically mail in a check every month with like a coupon book. It was not a pay online system. It was this coupon book. And I had to tear off the pages of the coupon book and send it in and mail it in. And the last check I sent in with, you know, multiple coupon things because we were paying it off. I wrote, peace out, Frost Bank. I'm done. Like, I'm done. I wrote this on a piece of paper. And in my confirmation letter, not an email because they were old school, I got a handwritten note back that congratulated me. And it was so cool because that was effort. And in the past, I would have spent that money on something else, but I was so proud of us. And that, I, that I think was the first debt we paid off. And so it was very neat to have that almost just congratulations from a random person celebrating kind of with us, our next steps. Did you guys do anything to celebrate that win? You know, we should have, but we didn't. And yeah. that's an area in our journey where if I could go back and change it, I would. Or if I could say a lesson learned is that we did not celebrate our wins enough and it led to burnout. There were times whenever I remember being in the summer, both of us were teachers. One of us always worked some sort of a summer job or summer school and the other person stayed home and watched the baby. And I remember thinking, I'm done. Like I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. Let's just book a trip to Florida. It's going to cost us like $3,000. Hey, look, we have $4,000 in our emergency fund. Like let's just do it. And I was all in on giving up. I was all in on stopping or pausing. Right. And my husband talked, you know, my husband was able to remind me what we were working towards. And I, I changed my mind, but I think that maybe I wouldn't have gotten to that point of being willing to give up if we had celebrated along the way. And so what we do now, and we celebrate a little bit differently is with my business, we celebrate as a family, as my business has been successful. So when I have moments in my business where I hit certain goals, we celebrate all four of us together as a family. And we say, this is why we're celebrating. Mom did this or Inspire Budget did that. And it's so cool to think that we are teaching our children to celebrate milestones in small ways, not in these big grandiose ways, but acknowledging them because I think that we missed out on that opportunity while we were paying off debt. I think, you know, one thing that RJ and I always encourage our audience is that, you know, you have to celebrate those small mm -hmm. wins. Oh, like, yeah. you know, for us, when we were paying off debt, like little things, right? Like, oh, let's order, let's order takeout tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that's what we did while we were on our journey. But, yeah. you know, I think, and I think that's why I like the debt snowball also is because like, you're able mm -hmm. to like see the momentum and like, as you guys are increasing, as you are increasing momentum, you're able to kind of celebrate along the way. Exactly. For our listeners who may not know, can you just describe what exactly the debt snowball is? Of course. So the debt snowball is if you have multiple debts, so more than one loan, what you do is you list them out in 
order from the smallest balance. So the amount you owe to the largest balance, and you do not take interest rates into consideration. And essentially you make all your minimum payments on your debts, but that smallest balance loan, you put all your extra money that you can to that loan to try to pay it off. And what it does is it gives you this quick win. It gives you this motivation, and then you move on to the next loan. So you're essentially paying them off in order of smallest balance to largest, which is what we needed to do because that smallest balance, when we paid it off, it wasn't allocated to our next debt. It was allocated to daycare funds. And so by the time our son was born, we had freed up that money or some of the money, maybe maybe half half of the daycare payments, whatever it was. And then with our spending, with our budget, we were able to find the rest of that money to be able to easily afford those daycare payments while living on a budget, while also sending extra money to debt. Love it. Love it. So, so you're on this journey of paying off debt. And you, know, you said that it took you guys over four years to pay off. And that can be daunting, you know, for some of our listeners who are like, you know, I have all this debt and it's going to take me years to pay off. Like, why should I even be bothered? Like, how did you guys stay focused? How did you guys keep your eye on the prize during this four year process? Mm-hmm. I mean, the truth is that sometimes our eye, our eye wasn't on the price. Sometimes one of us was focused and the other wasn't. And we had to kindly, let me use that word, kindly remind each other in a respectful way of what we were working towards, because it is a long time that felt like an eternity. I will never forget sitting there and we calculated. I think the first time we calculated how long it would take us, it said like five years. And I remember thinking, heck no, five years. I don't think so. That is forever. Like, no, I don't, I don't think I want to do this, but I wanted something more than what that time was, right? I was willing to sacrifice for that period of time and sacrifice. I say like, we still went out to eat. We still, you know, spent time with friends. So sacrifice is used very loosely now in my, in my vocabulary for that because I became so used to our lifestyle. So it didn't feel like a sacrifice over time. But I think that don't expect it to always be easy. When we start out, sometimes we have this incredible motivation, but within a couple of months, that motivation fades. And sometimes we need an external motivator until we have the internal motivation. So during a five-year span or a four and a half year span, I started out needing the external motivator. The external motivator was my son, my being able to care for him and have something different for him. He was my motivation, but eventually over time, just wanting it for me and the confidence and security became my motivator. So it shifted to an internal motivation and it's okay to use an external motivator at first. That's totally okay. So having that to look forward to dreaming about what we would do when we were done, we said, we are going on a adults only all-inclusive vacation for five nights no kids allowed. You know, we, we had these conversations and there were moments when we got hit with serious unexpected expenses three months before we were supposed to be debt-free. My husband's transmission went out. And then one month after that, we found out that our youngest son would need a $5,000 surgery. So it really pushed us back. And in those moments, it was easy to want to give up. But by that time, our internal motivation was so solidified that there was no stopping us. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's definitely 
keeping that motivation, uh, keeping that consistency, you know, cheering each other on, appreciating the journey, right? So it's, it's so much that you learn through there. But I want you to take us through your last payment, your last payment after four and a half years, you know, you're about to hit the submit button. What was that like to pay oh off my gosh. the six-figure debt? So it was scary because I did something that I don't recommend people do. So I had said that my husband's transmission went out. We thought about buying a used car, going further into debt. We decided not to. We drained our emergency fund down to like $100 to have his transmission rebuilt. Then a month later, we found out that my son would need surgery in the next couple months. So we saved and saved and saved. We saved all of our money. I worked summer school to help cover part of the cost of my son's surgery. And after we paid off all of those medical bills, we had like $4,000 left in our savings. And we had been making minimum payments for probably about, I would say six months, only minimum payments, no extra debt payments. And we had about $4,000 in our emergency fund. And we had like $3,500 left. And I remember sitting there, my youngest son was napping and my oldest son was playing in the living room. And I remember it was an, it was in August before school started. And I said, let's just do it. Let's just drain our emergency fund. And let's just like, I'm just so ready. Let's just do it. And my husband was like, I don't know. This isn't smart. We'll have no money in savings. And I was like, what could happen? What could happen? It'll be fine. So I convinced him and we paid it all off. It was so amazing, but we couldn't, I think we like ordered pizza to celebrate. We took a picture with our oldest son. It was very exciting. And like two days later, we got an unexpected medical bill left over from our son's surgery. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, do we make a mistake? But because we had paid it off, because we didn't have this, the next month we were able to cash flow that medical bill, pay that off and build our emergency fund back up. But it was probably a little bit risky to use our emergency fund to pay it off. But it was, you know, at at that point, there was no talking me out of it. I was so ready. I was so done with the process. And I was so ready for the next step. And it it was just like sitting right there. I could feel it. And so it was, it was incredible. It was amazing. And then, and then it just felt like shock afterwards when we got hit with that bill, but it all worked out. (laughs) You know, I think, I think that story, you know, like it just, it's just life happens. Right. Mm -hmm. And we have to remember that even, even when we decide to take these steps or the decide to go on this journey of paying off debt, you know, life is going to happen. Mm -hmm. But I think the power of, you know, pursuing, you know, paying down debt or pursuing financial freedom is that, you know, you're in such a better position because you started. So like, even though you got that medical bill a month later, after wiping out that debt with your emergency fund, you were in a position of power and control Mm -hmm. of your finances where it didn't matter that you were able to cash flow. And I think that's the value. And, you know, just one of the values of just getting control of your finances, paying down debt, just having a plan and, you know, just to take action on, you know, getting control of your money. Yes. And, you know, you said life happens, but sometimes we happen. Sometimes we do things to set ourselves back. And it's in those moments when we have a choice, like you said, you can still choose to take back that control, even though you were the one that got yourself off track. So it's not like we were perfect all the time and that, oh, just all these things happened to us and we didn't do anything wrong. Oh no, there were many times whenever I went and made unexpected expenses that I feel like I messed us up, that maybe my husband did the same thing. There were choices that we made along the way. And instead of saying, 
oh my gosh, we are terrible people and we're failures because we made this choice. We said, oh my gosh, we're human. We made this choice. What are we going to do now? So it's a matter of unexpected expenses happen, but then sometimes we happen to ourselves. No, you're so right. That's so yeah. true. Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's definitely true, right? And during the journey, you have to give yourself grace and you also yes. have to hold yourself accountable. Yes. I think it's, it's a balance between the two, you know, but it's, it's really impressive to you know, pay off six-figure debt four and a half years. What are some of the lessons you and your husband learned about paying off debt? Gosh, you know, oh man, I don't think anyone's ever asked me that. I don't think anyone has ever asked me what the lessons are. I think that one lesson is that consistency is key for us. It could have been really easy to just start off out of the gate and just try really hard and see just maybe not a lot of progress and give up and assume that it wasn't working. But it wasn't these big windfalls of money that helped us reach our goal, right? We didn't receive some sort of inheritance. We didn't happen upon winning the lottery. We didn't do anything miraculous to get to where we, we are now. Nothing was magical in like this aha moment. It was just making small choices every single day consistently over time that added up to be something that appears miraculous. But the cool thing about this is that because we didn't have this like miraculous thing happen, because we didn't receive any extra money, it helps people realize that, hey, If I'm able to be consistent, I can reach and do amazing things. It doesn't take this gift money or someone making a fortune, right? One of us didn't leave teaching and go into tech. We didn't have these grand shifts in our money. It was just gradual shifts over time with our habits and our spending that added up to something incredible. So true. No, I think... I think it's so like just the it's the small steps that make the, mm-hmm. the biggest difference. Yeah. And I, I love your story. I love like now that you're educating people on how to win with money. Mm-hmm. And so can you just tell us a little bit about why you created Inspired Budget? I created Inspired Budget because I once we became debt free, I couldn't stop talking about it. I assumed that once we became debt free, I would have, I I wouldn't ever talk about it again. I wouldn't ever talk about budgeting. I wouldn't talk about our journey. I had become passionate about it. And I, it really showed up in my conversations and, and probably honestly, inappropriately, because I'm sure I was asking people questions they didn't want to answer about their finances, but it really showed up. And I assumed all of that would disappear once I became debt-free and it didn't about eight months or six, six or eight months after I became debt-free, I was talking about it again. And my cousin-in-law was like, Allison, shut up. (laughs) What Janet? She said, every year you come to our family gatherings and you talk about this, like we're done hearing about it. You need to take it to people who need it. Like you've taught us we are done. Like we don't want to talk about this with you anymore. In a very kind and loving way, she was basically like, you need to start an online business. And my first thought was, why me? Like there's already people out there. What am I going to share that's different? And she was just like, well, you clearly have a passion about this and stop talking about it 
or, you know, so start something else. And that's why I did it. I did it because I realized that this passion was something that had purpose behind it. And that wasn't going to fade away, that it wasn't just this thing I found cool and then would forget about later. So I started Inspired Budget, my business, because I could take my talent and skill set of teaching as a teacher for so many years and my passion for personal finances and budgeting and put them together to help people, which is really what brings me the most joy is being able to work with people and teach them and, and make money not so difficult to understand and to encourage people that like, Hey, I'm steps ahead of you. And I'm, I'm looking back and I'm handing you, I'm reaching out my hand and I'm saying, let me guide you and walk you along to get to where you want to be. Awesome. No, like inspired budget. I remember when we started following you years ago and like, you just, you are so inspiring. You are an awesome teacher. You know, it's just, it's natural for you. (laughs) It's so apparent how it just comes naturally for you to just educate people and just get people on track with their finances. And so, you know, one of the things is you actually are working in inspired budget full time. You retired from your teaching job. What was that like to leave your teaching job to pursue Inspired Budget full-time? You know, it was amazing. For me, working as a teacher and Inspired Budget was very difficult. It was difficult on my marriage. It was difficult on my family. It was difficult on my health. You know, my husband and I were close to divorce. We were in marriage counseling. Inspired Budget had become a four-letter word because it really pulled me away from everything. And, and, you know, you were following me. I don't know when you started following me, if you followed me before I left teaching, but I think it just goes to show that people on Instagram, you can think everything's well and it's not. And that was my life. And that's my truth. And I own it. And am I proud of it? No, I'm not. I will never forget when my, my son asked me when we were walking out of Kroger, he said, why are you always on the computer and never playing with me? And I felt like my heart broke on the parking lot of the Kroger floor. And I just remember thinking, am I doing this all wrong? Is this all for nothing? Should I quit? And by this time, you know, I had started monetizing it. And I just, I just knew I I put him to bed that night. And I sat in my little corner of master bedroom with my desk and my laptop. And I thought, I have to make this worth it. I have to, because I can't let him, I can't let him say these things to me. I can't be that mom. I have to make this work to where I can leave teaching and this be the thing, because this is where I'm meant to be. I knew it. I knew it's where I was meant to be, but I was struggling with getting there in a way that wasn't harming and tearing down everything around me. And so within Gosh, months after that, maybe six months later, five months later, my husband and I decided, okay, Allison's going to finish out the school year and move into Inspire Budget full time. And right whenever that kind of happened, he had an opportunity to work and teach closer to where my family is. So we picked up and we moved five hours south and we're now closer to where my family is. And it was amazing to have the freedom and the time and the ability to apologize to my family for how I had treated them, for where my head was at, and to fix it and say, I'm going to create boundaries in my life that doesn't put something else before them. And now that I'm in this position to work while they're at school and, have, and, and do this differently, I'm able to honor that 
in a way that makes me proud and gives them the love that they deserve. Yeah, that's so, that's very relatable as a mother myself and just trying to find the balance with building a business as well as, you know, giving your toddler the time and attention that they deserve, right? You know, these Mm -hmm. are just important years in their life and you want to be present with them. But I think, you know, your story, Allison, is just very inspiring, you know, like, and I, I inspired budget, right? No, but I mean, it's like, it really is inspiring, especially as a, as a woman. And I think anyone can learn from your story, regardless of their gender, you know, like it's mm-hmm. anyone can take the tips and the resources that you provide and make actionable steps towards mm-hmm. bettering their situation. One thing I just wanted to add, I think our culture is surrounded around being a workaholic, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my and- gosh. Let's talk about it. Woo. And one thing that the pandemic helped a lot of people was to focus back on family. Because I know for us, if the pandemic never happened, we would be chasing the corporate ladder. Our daughter would be, you know, in daycare, you know, a seven to seven or something of that Mm -hmm. nature. And we would just be working hard as possible because, you know, we want to achieve this goal. And working on Rich by Intention. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> be doing all the things. Yeah. But the pandemic really reset and really put our, you know, focus back on what's most important, which is people we care about, the people we love. Mm-hmm. So I think that story is really relatable. And a lot of people have, you know, this struggle, especially Angie as a mother, you know, you have the internal struggle of working, you know, taking care of your kids and I just think, you know, your transparency is definitely appreciate we appreciate it because a lot of people go through that that transition, that struggle. Well, and I don't think enough people are transparent because it's vulnerable. You know, who wants to sit here and admit that your marriage was on the brink of divorce and you were ignoring your children and your family? Like, I don't. But if I don't, who will? If I don't, who will be seen in those moments? If I don't own my past mistakes and share how how I made different choices, how will anyone else? And so I, I do think that there is this and I still, I still see it. I still see all of these entrepreneurs, especially in the entrepreneur space, of working all the time and achieving. And, and my thing is, I'm going to have busy seasons. I'm getting out of a very busy season of my business where I was working a lot, but I see it as a season. And my husband sees it as a season. And he has busy seasons in his job when he's, you know, his band is going to competition. And in those seasons, I make sure I don't have a busy season. So it's it's very much this balance and this ebb and this flow and being able to say, It's not going to be perfect and there's not always going to be balance, but I have control over it. And so am I going to chase, am I going to, to chase a number? Am I going to chase an income goal or am I going to be willing to be slow and steady and love on my family? And I think that comparing yourself can be very easy to compare yourself in this space. It can be easy to compare yourself to other people's debt numbers and their income and what they're achieving. But so often we don't see what is behind and what is really going on. And that was the case for me. Let me be the lesson that years ago, when I stood on a stage talking about how to grow Instagram and how to do this and how to relate and every, it was a packed you know, room and everyone was coming up to me afterwards. That was the lowest time in my marriage and the lowest time, one of the lowest times in my life, but you would have never known. And so all of that taught me that I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to chase the fame and the fortune and all of that. It's not worth it. It's not. So for me, 
I always ask myself when I say yes to something, when I commit to something, you know, I say no more than I say yes. I ask myself, what is this going to take away from? And if it's going to commit me to these evenings working all night, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it because my family, I'll, I'll work one night a week and that is it. My family deserves something different from me because of what I've already taken from them. So anyway, I think it's just important to have the conversation around it because people are feeling it and they don't want to admit it and they feel wrong. They feel bad and they feel guilty and they feel shame. And instead of sitting there in the shame, hearing from someone who was able to pull themselves out of that and do something different, I think can be encouraging. (sighs) Yeah, no, I mean, I think, you know, that what you just said is just, I think just very important for our married couples to hear, because Mm -hmm. like you said, when you're scrolling through Instagram or Mm -hmm. anywhere on social media, you can get caught up in the comparison of what someone else's marriage might look like. Right. And you might think that, why am I struggling? Like they were able to pay down debt and they were able to win and get through this in Mm -hmm. four years or a year in our case. And why can't I, why can't we just get on the same page and do this? And so, but you don't always see the disagreements. You don't always Mm -hmm. see the, the struggle between husband and wife. And I think that's going to happen along the journey. But the goal is to, like we said earlier, find the compromise, find the common ground, think back to your why, find the external motivation first until you get that internal motivation Mm -hmm. together and, you know, just keep moving forward. Yes. And so Allison, you are just an amazing, (laughs) phenomenal woman. And, you know, we think so highly of you, of Inspired Budget. And so, I know our audience is going to want to learn more about you and your story. So where can our listeners find you? Of course. So you can follow me on Instagram at Inspired Budget. You can go to my website, inspirebudget.com. And if you go to inspirebudget.com slash free class, you can get access to my free budget class where I talk about how to the four-step framework for writing a budget to live your best life without sacrificing your weekly latte runs. So it's a really great class. I'm in my element doing my teaching and I would love for you to go watch it. Oh, yes. Yes. Thanks so much for joining Allison. We definitely love everything that you're doing. We love the B word budget. So (laughs) we appreciate you so, so much. And thanks for coming on. Yes. Thank you, Angie and RJ. I loved it. Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 